0: So as I mentioned, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians for our time this morning. And if you haven't been in, in Corinthians, First or 2 Corinthians in a while, I'll just give you a quick um, background of what's going on here. This 2 Corinthians book was written to the church in Corinth and to the saints in all of Achaia. Yeah, I want you to see this church as a maturing church. A maturing church that was held precious in the eyes of the one who planted it, Paul the Apostle. We see that Paul planted this church in his second missionary journey. If you want to cross-reference that, look at Acts chapter 18 later when you go home and, and remember to come back and just review the message today. And so he planted the church in Acts 18, but he continued to stay in partnership with them, continued to stay connected with this church through sending his missionary co-workers like Timothy and others by writing letters, and staying in constant contact with them as best he could, to strengthen the church as best he could from a distance. In this first letter that he writes back to the Corinthian church that he planted, he's primarily focusing on them being unified together for the building up of that church. Okay, That's his main focus, main theme of that letter. What we find in the 2 Corinthians letter that he writes to them is he's writing to them primarily focusing on the church being unified with him in his ministry. To the lost. Okay, so within that theme, that's going to be our big theme for this morning. That being reconciled to God transforms us with new life and a new mission. That's our main idea this morning. Being reconciled to God transforms us with new life and a new mission. So follow along with me as I read from 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14 all the way to 6.2. Uh, now, I would love to actually just go through South Asian style and have had three or four hours to walk through 2 Corinthians 1 through 4 to lead us up to here. And honestly and admittedly, I'm starting off in not natural chapter breaks. I know that. There's, I want to capture the most I can here. But there's so much context that I really encourage you to go back and read this later today. Starting in verse 14 all the way to 6-2, the Word of God says, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that, uh, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for, whom, for whose their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. As I mentioned here, the, the big idea of this for us this morning is being reconciled to God transforms us with a new life and new mission. Now, as we've read this passage here this morning, I want to spend the rest of our time fleshing out that main idea with three main implications that I believe are very clear in this passage for us. Three implications of being reconciled to God in Christ. The first implication for us is that we have a transformed mindset. We have a new perspective now that we are in Christ, and we just see the world differently. I think if you look at verses 14 through 17, you see this very clearly. The love of Christ changes us, or at least it should if we've experienced the love of Christ in a very tangible way. Paul literally says in this passage the love of Christ controls us, concluding that since Christ died for all, then all have died. So being reconciled to God through faith in the gospel and the new life that we have in him makes us see the world differently. We actually become people of action. The idea of this new change, this new life, is, it takes a very clear form for us and a very familiar passage for probably most of us in verse 17. The reality of us being a new creation. This reality of us being a new creation. Our mindset has changed to see the world through what we would, uh, could consider spiritual lenses. Other passages in scripture are, help us really uh, understand this new mindset in Christ more clearly. We become submitted to the love of Christ. It's first a posture that we should assume... And then also a command that we can obey continually. Some familiar passages about this uh, would be Romans twelve two, where Paul commands the Roman believers to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Some other familiar passages might be Ephesians 4 or Colossians 3, where Paul instructs the church to make it a practice to put off the old man and to put on the new man, meaning this new mindset that we have received is to be submitted to and to be cultivated in our life continually. Essentially, having a transformed mindset is the fruit of sanctification. Living out our identity in Christ and being fully surrendered to Him on a day-by-day and moment-by-moment basis. Paul says this, he says, No longer do I regard anyone according to the flesh. Now, this is also a very easy thing to say, but... If you're like me, it's a very difficult thing to live out. To regard no one according to the flesh would mean that you don't look at the success and failures of others to measure them. You don't see others according to their socioeconomic status or worldly qualifications. You're, we're not blinded by racism or classism. We don't look at the past sins of others. Uh, we, we just see people as people made in the image of God. But here's the problem for us as Americans, And if you don't mind me saying it, I, I really believe that we are very materialistic in a judgmental culture. And I don't think that there's very many in this room that if we, if we just discuss that and, and unpack that a little bit, that we would disagree on that notion. That we as a culture are just very consumed with materialistic things, and we're also very judgmental uh, in the way that we approach life. We struggle... Uh, as a culture and even as a christian culture in america we struggle to have a selfless attitude and not succumb to the trends of comparison to want to have what others have but I, i would just challenge us to have this mindset that paul has in the context of this passage right before this to see our lives as a tent he literally calls the gospel that we have received a treasure in jars of clay Something that is, our life is temporary, it is temporal, not meant for us to put all of our hopes and dreams on this current life, this here and now. Wrongly, our American culture often leads us to believe that we're pleasing God simply because we attend church regularly. And we continue in this, uh, this form of loving the world with a thin veneer of Christian identity. That is a temptation for us, I believe, in this American Christian culture. But as we mature in Christ, our love for the world and the things of this world ought to be decreasing as our love for Christ and the love of the things that Christ loves increases. That's what Christian maturity ought to look like. And Paul demonstrates what that, what that looks like for him. He teaches us to view people as already purchased by the blood of Christ. It means that he no longer viewed people from a worldly status or even class or race standpoint. He only saw them in light of their state of redemption through Christ's death and resurrection. Those within the church, those who've been redeemed, and those who are outside of the church who've been purchased but not yet set free. That is how Paul saw everyone. So Paul concludes that we are compelled to tell everyone that they've been given access to this new life in Christ. This is what compelled Paul to give his entire life traveling throughout all of Asia, advancing the gospel. This is what compels my family to live in South Asia, training and mobilizing people to engage lost and unreached peoples and unreached places. And this is why we as a church participate and give towards the Lottie Moon Christian, Christ, Christmas offering and participate in global missions. Because we, the love of Christ compels us to do something about the world's greatest problem, lostness. So the action step for us this morning, I really believe, is for us to get to the point of this passage and realize we must reject the temptation often. To live and think only according to the flesh. Only according to temporal things. Only according to what we can see. And choose to put on the mind of Christ and be changed. To be transformed. To have this transformed mindset. The second implication that I really believe this passage pulls out for us is that we have a transforming message. We have a message of reconciliation. This term reconciliation appears five times in this passage, at least five times in this passage. And what are we to do with this new life in Christ? As I mentioned before, 2 Corinthians 5, verse uh, chapter 5, verse 17, is often referenced, is often a very familiar passage for us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Now this verse is probably very common for us who've been in the church for a while, and I've often heard this passage referenced specifically to holy living, to being uh, transformed in some way in our actions. But there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that it's important for us to examine the context by which Paul chooses to place this passage. It reveals that Paul is making an appeal to the church to engage in the ministry of reconciliation with Him. So in other words, a major part of us being a new creation, us maturing in Christ, is actively sharing our faith often. A sign of us being a new creation is that we share about this new life that we have often. And I'll just be honest with you, when I exercise this spiritual discipline of sharing the gospel I experienced tremendous growth in my own personal faith and joy in my own salvation. And in many ways, I would say that I experience sometimes more growth and more excitement and more joy when I'm out sharing the gospel with someone who's never heard the gospel or who's listening to the gospel. I experience more joy and sense more closeness to Christ in those moments than all of the moments of silence and solitude with a Bible in my hand at home with a coffee cup. Because I'm sharing this message of reconciliation that I've already experienced, appealing to others, persuading others to see what I've already experienced. And there's something that God does in my life and my growth and my understanding of being a new new creation in Him when I'm sharing what I have received with someone who uh, has been purchased already by by the Lamb. We have good news And that message of good news has been entrusted to us for sharing with others. But I believe that there's many challenges. There's probably many reasons why we could state we don't share the gospel often, you know, or what fears we might have related to that. And if we were just to go around the room for for fun, we could just ask questions of what are our greatest fears? And we might... We might, if we were just asked that out of context, I think people might say, well, spiders are my greatest fear. Or I, I hate heights, I don't like to be in, in places like that. Or my greatest fear is one day no one will like the, the things that I put on Instagram. You know, No one will follow me on Instagram. That might be somebody's fate at greatest fears, depending on what generation you're from. But what if we answer that question with the biblical wisdom that Paul, I think, wants us to see here? That our greatest fear ought to be that we live a vain life in the eyes of the Lord. Can you see the challenge that he has for us in chapter 6, verse 1? Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now I believe this admittedly is a challenge for all of us. This idea of, of sharing this transformational message with others. But it's worth overcoming and conquering whatever fears and whatever insecurities we have related to not sharing our faith with with others. We must choose to daily remain in this spiritually informed mindset that I think Paul is modeling for us here and appealing. Just imagine for a moment what it would be like if we were only able to see, like physically see, in terms of spiritual realities instead of physical. You know, we see the physical world and the spiritual world is just hidden for us. Think about it just for a moment. Imagine, close your eyes if you need to, what it would be like if we could only see in terms of spiritual realities. We would see someone either has an eternal home with the Lord or they don't. Look at Second Corinthians 5, 1 through uh, 10 to reference what I'm talking about there we either have this home with the Lord, forever with Him, or we will be found without anything. We will be apart from the Lord forever. What if we saw that reality as common day? Now, just think about this for a moment. We're often quick to respond to physical needs, right? If we see someone in need, someone stumbling, we'll quickly help them up. Uh, if we see needs, we'll, we'll quickly want to help that need, An example of that just recently, my family and I, we were in Nepal for some meetings before we came here. here, We've been here for about three or four weeks. And in those meetings, we were in a hotel room. We were up about two two flights of stairs. And there's restaurants all around us. And many of the the restaurants in that area kind of have an open dining area. They don't have glass. They just have open areas. And we were in the middle of our meeting. We look out, and there was this big flash of fire. And one of those brick ovens uh, had caught on fire because somebody put the cooking oil too close to it. And so they just burst into flames really fast. So without even thinking, there was about a half dozen of the people in the room that we just ran over there and tried to quickly throw blankets on the area before it spread, throwing blankets on it to smother the fire. And we quickly were able to put out the fire, and nothing was really damaged in that uh, um, restaurant other than just having a black... Uh, stained area, okay? But just think about that for a moment. We were quick to act because we saw a need and we didn't want that this hotel to be uh, consumed with fire. But why is it we're often prone to shy away from proclaiming the gospel to the lost person when the fires of hell are about to engulf their entire future? We're quick to respond to the physical needs when we see them, but we're often quick to shy away from the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody whose life is about to go up in flames. This message of reconciliation is a beautiful and powerful message. Reconciliation means to establish harmony and peace between two enemies. Now, I think you'll be glad to hear that I don't consider my wife an enemy of mine. And, you know, she's not here to defend herself, so you have to ask her later what her opinion is of the matter. But, uh, you know, there's been a few times over the years, just to be honest with you, that we've had our marital marital disputes. We've had moments where tempers have flared. And uh, not her, but me, I often end up saying something unkind or unhelpful. Now, I have a a choice in that moment. Do I remain stubborn in my ways and, and just not apologize or do I go to her and apologize and confess whatever it was that contributed to the conversation negatively? And I can tell you there's never been a time that I have regretted quickly going, apologizing, and confessing my actions that led to the argument or disagreement with my wife. I've never regretted just going and apologizing and confessing my contribution to the wrong. I've never Regretted that. And I can also tell you that in moments when we have reconciled over a disagreement Because we have been humble before each other and confessed those things Those are the sweetest moments in our marriage Where we have experienced that reconciliation after an argument Now my experience in my marriage has also compelled me uh, To share with young married men especially and their wives to, Over and over again to apologize early and often I share that advice because I have experienced the power of a reconciled relationship, and I want others to experience it too. I don't want people to remain in the trap of bitterness and stubbornness. I want them to experience the joy of a reconciled relationship. Now, why did I just share that piece of relational experience with you? Being reconciled to God is much more lovely than this relationship being restored between me and my wife. Or whatever relationships you might have experienced reconciliation with. On a much larger scale than this example, Christ has made our relationship with God at peace through the cross. Amen? Amen. The gravity of our sin compared with the holiness of God reveals to us just how great a salvation we have received. Which is why Paul uses, I believe, such strong language... The love of God controls us. The experience of being reconciled to God creates in us a new heart and new desires. So we share the good news. We share that experience with others because it is such a great gift that we have received. I believe the action step for us here at this point in understanding we have a transformational message is, is to make it a practice to continually reflect on the hope we have and a new life we have in Christ and commit to sharing that good news of, of reconciliation with others regularly. It's just a matter of commitment. I know it's hard. We just need to overcome the challenges. We need to just make a commitment to reflect and share often. So the third implication that I want to share with you this morning is we have a transformational mission. I believe Paul is very clear here that his conclusion is to bring them into mission with him. And whether we realize it or not, we are enrolled in this ministry of reconciliation. We have been entrusted with this ministry with Christ. We do what the Father does, just as in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now God makes his appeal through us. Do you remember the the words of Jesus where he says, It is to your advantage that I go away? For if you were, for I do not go away, the Helper would not come. It is out of this life change, being empowered by the Spirit, that we can become messengers to the lost. There's an author, J.D. Greer, pastor in North Carolina. He wrote a book called Jesus Continued, and the tagline is, Jesus, or th- The Spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. Meaning, Jesus has empowered us through the Spirit to go and be witnesses, engage in the mission that He was engaged in, And multiplied through us. We now represent Christ on earth. And we have been sent to live this new life in Christ. On mission to proclaim the gospel to the lost throughout the world. God now works through us. And this message of forgiveness is offered to those who have already been purchased by his blood. So I just want to ask you church. What's your involvement in this mission? Individually, think about that. We each need to have a plan and work the plan of how God is calling us and compelling in our hearts to be involved in this mission, this transformational mission. As I shared before, you can make a real impact by praying for the lost, praying for those in South Asia or other areas of of the unreached globe. There are many tools and resources out there for you from a prayer perspective if you don't know or have any of those, I'd be happy to share with them Share them with you after the message. There's a way in which you can give actively to the mission of God being advanced. Through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, through the giving at this church, how your, your ministries of this church are actively involved in global mission. Go above and beyond what you have been doing in that area. You can go and, and be a part of some of the ministry opportunities both here that are locally but also uh, one-time short-term trips that you can go and be a part of those um, international partnerships that your church has. And you can send other missionaries like our family to go maybe from your family or from this faith family to be a part of the, the mission overseas, to give their lives for this work. You can be actively part of the sending. And this is not just a task for a few. This is a ministry for every believer. i want to share with you another story to illustrate this point. I mentioned to you Karuna before, a story of a lady who came to faith through um, a sewing center and uh, training that was offered there. I want to share a story about a guy named Paul. Some of you have met Paul. Paul has been a believer for many years. Paul actually became, uh, he started to work for me. For a number of years, and he was an active evangelist, a very faithful member of his church, always sharing the gospel. Hardworking person, uh, and his vision for his life was to be involved in ministry somehow. And how he worked that out was to share his faith and bring them to church. Share his faith, bring them to church. And a number of years uh, of of living this life, Paul just always seemed to have this active evangelist lifestyle. In fact, I went to a training one time, and in my city. And the pastor greeted me, and it quickly told me a story that a number of years ago, Paul was the first person to ever share the gospel with him many years ago. And now that pastor came to faith through the ministries of of several people, but Paul was the first one, and now that pastor had led many people to faith and was gathering people together. Paul, I guarantee you, uh, many years ago, over a decade ago, did not have a... An idea that when he shared the gospel with this guy that he would one day become a pastor who would lead other people to faith. But Paul, when he recognized his involvement needed to increase in the mission of God, him and his wife began to open up their home. He was sharing the gospel and he started inviting them into a discipleship relationship. And Karuna and her husband happened to be. One of those families that were part of this new church that formed and birthed out of their home. Because he caught a vision for how he could be better involved in the mission of God advancing. Now since 2020, Paul has planted two gatherings in our city. And he's become very active in sharing the gospel in other communities in the area. He's training along people every Friday from his church to be involved in the same ministry. He's beginning to do the work of multiplying himself. Now, when, as I mentioned, when he shared the gospel, he probably didn't know that one day this person would become a church planter. And, and it's possible that when he started discipling these people and took that seriously, he wasn't aware that it might result in two churches planted in the city. The mission you are called to starts here in Cross Lanes. And as you go about this ministry, pray for vision to reach the lost in the city. For gospel advance and how God might be wanting to increase your involvement. As we're moving towards concluding this morning, I just want to uh, bring these things back up to the surface. Don't allow the grace of God to be considered vain in your life. Receive that warning that Paul has for this church do not receive or have the grace of God be vain in your life. Recognize the reality of this truth. Today is the day of salvation. Be transformed to live out your new life on mission with Jesus. I invite you to engage in the ministry of reconciliation and in whatever the ways that the Lord is compelling in your heart. Maybe the next person you share with will be the one who plants a church one day. Maybe you'll be the church planter that leaves this church next and starts a new church with new believers. You've been actively involved like Paul was for many years. And God expands your ministry to plant new churches. Or maybe God is pulling your heart to be involved in work like our family has been involved in internationally. To come and be a part of an international church planting team that mobilizes church planting efforts among many unreached peoples. Maybe God is calling you to increase your giving and your participation in the ministry of this, of this church through the Wadi Moon Christmas offering or otherwise. Whatever the Lord is compelling you to, through the love of Christ, I urge you to walk in that today, so as I conclude i 'd love to pray for you, and as i 'm praying, Eric, I believe will come forward and begin playing god i 'm aware this morning that, as a church gathered with this amount of people, it's possible that i 'm sharing about a message of reconciliation that that there's hearers there's hearers among us that are longing for that type of relationship, longing for peace in their life and harmony with you, God. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning who's not yet experienced the joy of salvation, the joy of a reconciled life with you, God, I pray that you would give them the boldness to repent and believe, to no longer remain in their ways of the past, but choose to experience this new life in Christ. I pray that there would be none among us that would have heard the grace of God and it would be vain in our life. I pray that we would respond in faith and it would change our lives forever. I also pray that there would be all of us here who would be ready to embrace this new life in Christ and choose to be transformed, to live a new life on mission with you. Whatever you are compelling each one of us to do this morning, God, I pray that we would be faithful to walk in that in obedience. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.